Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And I want to give a very warm welcome to Jane Sagalovich. Jane is the chief strategist at Scale Your Genius and founded the company four years ago to help people whose work makes a difference in people's lives make a bigger impact, make more money, and have more freedom in how they do their work. She has helped hundreds of qualified experts create and sell their online courses and programs with clarity, confidence, and ease. Today, Jane and I are going to be chatting about how to help people sell these online courses successfully and some common mistakes people make when setting up their plan. We'll learn what works from Jane's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some people and their businesses just miss the mark. Jane, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Stacey. I'm excited to be here. Well, what I'd love to do is start off the conversation of what got you going in your career today? What got you here where you're now helping other people with their courses and to be more successful? I love this question because it's been a really windy road and it's a road that I find so many other people take that it's, you know, the thing you think you're going to be when you're a little kid is rarely the, the straight road that takes you there. Yeah. So before this, I spent 15 years in, in corporate America, really living the American dream, um, doing, you know, I had the visions of my first, I think, job I aspired to be was uh, marketing at Ralph Lauren, just like super American dream company and job, really. Mm -hmm. And so I went to college, I went to business school, I've worked at some of um, kind of iconic American companies. And what I started to realize was that something was really missing. Like on paper, everything looked so amazing. I had the title, the salary, like the perks, all the things. Yet I wasn't like, I was dreading Mondays. You know, I didn't, and I was, I was kind of like living that meme of Mondays sucking and we're looking forward to Fridays and the weekend. And I knew that that was not the, what I wanted to be for what I wanted my life to be. So unlike what I would ever recommend, people do. I one day decided to just leave all of that behind. I said, this corporate thing is just not for me. I can't, you know, I don't, this isn't, this isn't what's making me happy. And it's also not how I show up as my best. So one day I just left without really having a plan of what's next. Okay. Um, a friend of mine was starting a consulting company at the time, and he's been a career consultant. So I said, Hey, let me just join you to do this. You know, the entrepreneur life, you know, the consulting life. I have a lot of skills I can bring from my 15 years in um, corporate strategy, finance, investments, things that are really relevant to small businesses. But I, at that point, only worked with them on a large business scale. Mm -hmm. So we started the company together. I did that for three years. And, you know, I learned a lot. I also learned that I continued to hide behind somebody else and that's um, after that business imploded for various non-business related reasons, I realized that for me, in this point of my career, I had to be the CEO of my business. I had to be the one driving, you know, dri setting the vision, driving the vision and really creating what I want to create, which is really one of the things in addition to making a big difference on the people I work with. Those two things were really, really missing for me in being able to really kind of shine my light as brightly as I can and show up and make a big difference and like love Mondays to in a way that. I didn't think was possible. That's fantastic. And now you're helping everyone love Mondays. I hope so. I think my clients love like, that's one of the feedbacks I, I get is, you know, they're, they're, they're saying like, I'm working more than ever, but I'm loving it more than ever. Mm -hmm. And so in the creation process of the course, like there is this investment of time that happens and there's a way to make it really enjoyable. Okay. 
And so when you're working with someone now, can, do they usually have a course already or do they come to you and they're like, I want to make a course and start off on this journey that I have the unknown and have no idea how to get there. Hmm. So I'm sure if you ask any consultant out there when clients come to them versus when we would love for clients to come to us, they're very different answers. So I would love for every single person to come to me when they first have the idea, right? So it's like, you want to go from, I'm in Denver, you're in LA. So I want to go from Denver to LA. We're going to have the best journey if I like map that road out the best before I start the journey. Sure, I can get in my car and start driving towards LA and like go see a bunch of stuff along the way and take a really long way to get there. But the journey is going to be the most enjoyable and efficient if I plan it from the front end. So ideally, get help from the idea phase because there's just, we can't see our brilliance from inside of the haze of our own expertise. We can't fully see what's possible for us. And there's, you know, and then there's like in the online business space, it's such a noisy market that if we just listen to what's going on out there, mix it with not really being able to see what's inside of us, we're not necessarily going to put our best product forward. So ideally people come to me at the very idea phase. I'd say about 30% of my clients get to me at that point. Everyone else, amazing. They took a leap. Action is better than doing nothing. And um, yeah, and so people usually come to me. The other big point is um, they've created the course and, and, that, and, and no one came, you know? Yeah. And, and so this course, there's, there's maybe a, a landing page out there somewhere. There may not be. And they're like, all right, now how am I going to sell this thing? And they put their blood, their sweat, their tears, their best ideas, their most top line inspiration, everything. This is their baby, this course, mm-hmm. but it either is not getting eyes on it or it's not a course that people actually even want to take. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, like those two things are kind of like a Venn diagram that overlap a little bit. Right. And there's, yeah. yeah what, what is, what could be fixed versus what's like, yeah, let's, let's kind of start over and, and, and do that thing again. So what do you do when they come to you? How do you approach it? Like, what are the first steps that you do to dive in and try to figure out what the plan is? Mm. Is this for the people who already have, have the course? Should we talk to them? You can go in either direction that you want. Mm. So, well, let's talk to them because I think that is, you know, that is the majority of the people that come to me and that's probably the majority of the people that are out there. So you have a course, you've built it, you've created a sales page, it's not selling. Mm-hmm. The first thing I would do is just ask is, is kind of go back to, the vision process, if this course didn't exist, what is the course you would be really excited about creating today? Because one of the things that I always say is, um, what's it, the, um, the sunk cost fallacy, meaning that if you've already invested time in something, don't keep going just because you've invested time into it, right? So this could be a bad business idea, a relationship, whatever it is saying, like, you don't have to keep going down this route. So the first thing we look into is, if you are going to put more blood, sweat, and tears into marketing this thing, is this, how close is this to the thing that you actually want to do, right? So the idea, ideally, we don't want to fully start over. Ideally, we take what has been created and usually we shape shift it. It may be shape shifting around messaging of how do you talk about the course, but it may be some shape shifting inside of the course too. a little bit of, um, you know, it's usually people don't have to recreate the assets, right? If they've created digital modules, those don't have to be recreated. Maybe they're reordered. Maybe the way the support structure is um, is offered has changed mm-hmm. a little bit. And so 80 to 90% of the work they've put in, we can use, but it's first really kind of shape-shifting into something that is desirable and going to be right. profitable. 
And then how do you figure out what that's going to be? Like when you're saying, you know, to shape shift it in, how do you dial in? Like what should someone be looking at and trying to figure out? Yeah, one of the most things specifically, and you know, niching is not going to be probably new to any person listening to a marketing podcast. I'm sure most people say it. And as much as niching, I have opinions that may or may not jive with with kind of the mass that the mass mm-hmm. opinion on this when it comes to people's general practices. Mm-hmm. When it comes to an online course or an online program, it absolutely has to solve what I call one key problem for one type of client avatar. So you want to go as super, 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 super niche down as you can Mm -hmm. so that your marketing is super clear when you are talking to that person, they can self-identify, but it's also how you create a course that gets results and is not overly, overly stuffed and bloated and kind of trying to talk to everybody, but Mm -hmm. really not helping anybody take that journey towards results. So the first thing is how targeted is it? And it may be a course that was created a little more generally, but when we go through the process of figuring out who it's for, they may say, yeah, actually this course is actually really, really, really perfect for this specific kind of person. So let's focus on selling it to them specifically. And then um, when you've gone, when you've done, gone down that path and you are figuring out who that very specific target niche is, do you just go all in with that or do you ever build in a second niche that you can have and do like a dual focus and two different campaigns or should you really be going super niche and just saying, I'm all in on this audience? That is the better answer for people who don't have a very gigantic budget and an unlimited amount of time, just because if you're doing one, you know, if you have a hundred percent, like you have a 10 hours, right? Are you going to put 10 hours towards marketing to this audience versus five hours and five hours? So now either strategy is going to take longer to hit. Mm -hmm. So that's not to say it's good or bad. It's how fast do you want to see results? How much money and time, energy, effort do you have to put at it? And for most people who come into this business model, those numbers are not huge and that's okay. Um, So one, so that is the reason to have one. And then when that takes off, you could start testing others, but I do recommend just, 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 just for the sake of efficiency. And there's no, I'll say, it, I'll, I'll say it this way. There's no benefit of having two. Perfect. I'll make it, I'll make it a simpler answer. <laughs> so if nothing else, you need to have one dial it in, get mm-hmm. it rolling. And then if you think that you want to have a secondary niche, you reapproach it with a totally new yeah. strategy and launch plan and go for it then. Exactly. Exactly. So you're really, really saying just pick one audience. Yeah. And so I'll give an example. One of my clients has a business course targeted at wellness businesses who are early on in their business career. Mm -hmm. The two target audiences he came in to working with me talking about was one people who were about to graduate from that specific, um, from that specific, uh, school where where Mm -hmm. they go into having these businesses. And the second demographic are people who have had these businesses for three to five years and saw that the way they're running their business doesn't work. Right. So the reason he was looking at both audiences to get at this as the same and as, as a lot of people do is because their destination is the same is because both of these audiences at the end of working with him will have a successful, profitable private practice. The problem is their starting points are so different that in our marketing messaging, we did, you know, we, we, we try to, to see, you know, what does it look like when we try, when we talk to both and 
it, it just really diluted the message so much that even though there was some consistency in the destination, it's really important that we can talk to their today reality for them to resonate with us. And if we're talking to two different realities, it can get a little confusing. Okay. And then, okay. So you have this audience, you have a plan, then what? You have an audience, you have a plan. Um, so the next thing that I have my clients do, and this is one of my favorite things, is I call it the desire builder phrase book. And this is a, um, like a fillable book that we give to people. People can create their own. It's basically taking all the brilliant things they can say about their course and putting it into a one place document so that anytime they need to write a post, an email, a sales page, a webinar, whatever it is, everything is right there. And I also encourage people, I know a lot of people will have these as like, here's all the things I can say about my course. Here's all the things that like people say about them. I recommend having two to three bullet points per category so that you start creating this repeatable, punchy, resonant message that is all, that keeps that consistency. And so when people are consistent in this, in this part of the process, then they can really see what is and isn't working, right? So if you're if like you're saying a different thing every time you talk about your course, mm -hmm. what's working and what isn't is hard to tell. If we have a consistent set of messaging we're testing, then we'll know pretty quickly what's, you know, how, how that's resonating and if we need to talk about it differently at all. Okay. Yeah, and so have kind of consistent messaging hand, handbook, phrasebook to pull from. And, you know, are you, when you are working with people, are you dialing in so much as like colors and like social media copy and how many words you should be saying, not words to be saying when you're actually building out how you're going to market? We, so let's talk about strategy, which is the next step, which okay. is like, there is no right or wrong way to sell your course. Right. So then going into like, if someone's course strategy is social media posts, because either they have a big presence there or they like social media or whatever it is, then, um, we will dive in and see how do you, how do you make the best out of this particular mm -hmm. strategy? And I'll say me personally, I'm not an expert on Facebook ads on like social media, you know, what kind of hashtags to use. Right. So then if we need to bring in experts on specific topics, then I would recommend people like if someone is going to do a TikTok strategy, right. Mm -hmm. Hire somebody who's an amazing TikTok person who knows that space mm -hmm. inside it out. Cause it changes every day. And yeah. unless you're paying really close attention to it, we can't, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's not much I can offer on, on, on using TikTok sure. other than from a general strategy, like, is this the right strategy for you? If so, I recommend finding an expert who could do those like number of words and, and, you know, who, who see the data of what is and isn't working day in and day out and can get into those like nitty gritty details, but those are also not critical to success, right? That's, we can also be um, intentional with good messaging without all those tiny analytical tweaks and be really, and, and have really good outcomes. And then, um, so besides bringing in experts in the social media space, what else can you do with strategy like when you're looking at what is the next step? I'll just keep on asking, what's the next step? What is the next step? Yeah, so the step that they just created, they, um, they just created their mar marketing handbook, basically. Mm -hmm. So they have, they're like, okay, here's my course. Here's who wants it. Here's why they want it. Here's all the phrases I'm going to use to talk about it. Now, if, so the course is created in this example we're talking about. So now the strategy is to start doing offer posts. So we're, we're going to, we're going to build some audiences. We're going to nurture some audiences too on the side, but because there's a saleable product right now, we want to talk to the people who need our product today. There are people who need our help. 
They don't want to be warmed up on, you know, by you for, for, for a month. They don't want to read about your story every day. They want to buy the thing. And so I recommend having sales structured posts, emails, you know, whatever, wherever it is that they're talking to the people who need their help is to have an actual offer. That's a clear offer. And I recommend for people, um, to start by creating a sales page if they don't have one or, or if the one they have isn't really great because the process of creating a sales page will help them get that clarity of what to say to sell the thing. And yep. so I find a lot of people, they'll do, they'll, they'll write content and they'll do all the stuff, but they're never selling the thing. Yeah. I so think it's it exists. Same. Go ahead. No, I think it's the same strategy. It, it's, and it's hard sometimes because some people will want to have a marketing deck created or they'll want to have a press release created or they'll want to have all of these different things created. But if the building blocks of what the actual strategy is, who the persona is, who you know the offer is, what the offer is, all of the details, all those little building blocks have to come together to make what you're talking about actually be able to have happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's all the foundational stuff that they did with, with the discovery of like, who's this course for and why they have it. And then all the messaging in there so that, yeah, when they say stuff it all, there's, there's, there's the foundation that's underneath it. That's making, you know, the building of the house stable. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. And so you have the marketing deck. Now, are you ready to go to town? Are you ready to market? Are you ready to advertise? Yeah. So at this point they start making offer posts and they start, I recommend. So when you have something to sell, like 60 to 80% of your time is on, on selling. So it could be like updating your sales page, doing offer posts, doing sales webinars, things like that. And the other percentage of the time is building your audiences, your expert, your expert um, network, going on podcasts, writing articles, all the things that when somebody Googles you, when somebody, you know, asks about you, there's, there's um, enough information, enough data that comes up that, that builds that trust and make the offers without waiting to, to have all that stuff, all that stuff created, because there's going to be people who will hear your message and say, hell yes. And, and, and enroll and not need all the other stuff that takes time just by its nature. And then if you are someone who comes to you and you don't have a course yet, what do you do there? Because that's a little bit of a different strategy. You're not trying, you're able to actually create better building blocks, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and instruct them and guide them a little bit more about what works because someone might have a course created and have 500 modules in it. And you're like, can you carve this out and actually just do, you know, a short little course and then you can upsell them to the next course instead of being like, here's everything at once. Or Mm. how do you work with people to help them um, be guided into what the best strategy and step is from day one? Absolutely. And so this is the part that, that I think is, you know, when when people start this process on day one, um, there's just so much more possibility. There's so much more open. So we really start with it. Like, why, what do they want to create? Why do they want to create it? Who is it for? Really set those foundational blocks from the beginning. Now, as soon as they figure all that out, that messaging handbook that I talked about, that gets created before we even know how long the course is, before we determine how many modules are in it or anything like that, because we already have the information we need to know who the offer's for and what it helps them get and the problems it solves and the goals it helps them achieve. So we can now start building our audiences that are that will be the specific people with the specific problems and aspirations that our course will solve. So we're able to start building those audiences really early on so that when the program is ready to sell, there are people who've, there are people who've been hearing about it. So then the first time you do put that offer post out, it is much, you know, it, you're not putting it out to kind of a room of, of 
people who haven't never heard about you. So that's on the marketing side. That's why it's so important to start marketing before you start creating your course. And I don't necessarily recommend things like pre-selling or selling things that don't exist or anything, anything that, that sometimes we hear out there. It's more, it's just building your audience. It's creating, you know, that's the thing. Like, like for our listeners right now, like there are a lot of people who believe that you do not need a course. You do not need anything. You need to advertise that there is going to be a live course and come join me. And then you're going to build it with them and respond directly to what your audience's needs are and questions they are. That's kind of scary. It is 100% it's 99% guaranteed to fail. And it's going to be a shitty experience for everybody involved because nobody wants to be on the receiving end of something that vague. And like, if I'm, if I just paid you thousands of dollars, don't ask, like, don't ask me. I'm here for like, I'm here for you to guide me through a process. You need to be the expert. That's why I paid you the money. And I know people think that asking is somehow a positive thing. And I find it to be a very detrimental experience that has people kind of lose faith in you and also doesn't give you the data you need to create something good. You know, it's, it's, it was a Henry Ford that I th- I think it's attributed to him, but it's not actually he, he that said it, that if people asked before he created the car, that if he asked people what they want, they would have said a faster horse. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, if we ask people and they don't know what they want, it's like, so we're going to, we're, we're going to give them not the right thing. Um, but I would, do want to come back to what you said, especially specifically about the program type. And I work with people who mostly who have one-on-one practices, they're lawyers, they're um, therapists, they're Mm -hmm. financial advisors, there are various coaches, consultants who already work with people. Mm -hmm. And so the best strategy that I see working for people like that, who want to scale is what I call the hybrid online course. And that is where you define the journey of what you want the people to do in your program or course, and you create a digital journey for them to follow. But then you, in, you infuse that and you really supplement that with one-on-one or some group, small group support so that you can continue to deliver, you know, you, for people who are really good one-on-one practitioners, like a lot of the magic cannot be translated into a digital product, into something pre-recorded. A lot of it is in the moment, in the intuition, in the, like in, in, in the, in the interaction. And so we create a model where that stays in, in the process um, that also enables them to charge much higher prices while they're listing, while they're building that list. And so they don't have a big audience to sell a low price product to. Um, and so we start there and then go on to other models as their list grows, as this initial digital journey becomes really refined. And so I find that to be the perfect next step for 70 to 80% mm-hmm. of people coming out of, one, of, of private practice who don't have, already have a, a, a big audience that's kind of ready to buy courses. Yeah. Okay. And then what else are other mistakes people make? when they're starting out besides creating it on the go? Creating on the go. And I, you know, the other big one is creating an inexpensive product when you don't have an audience, right? If you create something that's like $97, you're a long way away from me, you know, like if you have a $10,000 monthly goal and that's, you need, so what's 10,000 divided by a hundred, a thousand. Um, so you need that yes. many new clients every single month. If you don't even have an audience that's ready to buy from you, then trying to sell a product that's that low, that 
does not take you any less time of an investment to create than this hybrid course I talked about that can sell for like $2,500 and up that trying to sell a low thing, thinking that it's easier to sell is going to, you know, maybe you'll be getting 300 bucks a month. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm guessing the amount of effort people put into to create this is a lot more is worth a lot more than that. And so that that's the big one is thinking that it's easier to sell something inexpensive. Yeah. And then when you're thinking about the course and, you know, there's different ways of doing courses. You can do it live, besides live, but you can do it like on video, right? You can do a video course. You're talking to people, you're engaged. If you're not a video person, you could still do a video, but have it more be presentation style. And either you're the head in the little box or you're just the voice. What do you think are the best approaches for this? Are there there some that work better than others? Yeah. You know, it really depends on the information they're trying to portray. So for example, if it's like complicated information, then PowerPoint presentation, like slide decks, PowerPoint presentations are the best way because you want people to listen. You want them to see the words on the screen. Maybe you're having them do like a workshop style too, right? How you, you want them to be pres- really present to be able to um, get that information. So you want to have like multiple things happening at once and have them engaged in all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people do like if it's a peripheral information on a topic, I love those um delivered as like an audio, like a private podcast or something where it's nothing, you know, if they don't need to do anything in that moment and they can just listen passively. Awesome. Let them listen while they're going for a walk with their dog, instead of having to sit at a computer and like stare at a talking head face when there's no other kind of value to that face being there. Um, So really, so use those two examples as just really understand what the experience is. And the last one I'll say, and this one's a huge pet peeve of mine is when you're giving instructions to people, don't only do it in video, also have a written component because there's nothing worse than trying to fast forward or rewind through a video looking for a specific set of instructions mm-hmm. on how to do something and it being, you know, and it not, not really knowing where it is. So I recommend whenever doing videos to also provide a text version of the video so they can get the information or at least find a place in the video where, where they want to go. So, so you know, the common theme is, is their experience is what is the client's experience? What do you need them to know? Do you think experience in the moment of, of the delivery of that information? Okay. And are there any things that you absolutely should not do? Should not do. Oh, so many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. What should not do? Also, you know, the other one that I see people um, doing that I think is a waste of time is beta programs. So people create a program or course and they do this low price beta that they put out there. That's, um, you know, their real program. Let's say they think it's going to be $950 and they put this thing out for 200 and in the hopes of getting some kind of data. And um, I just find you know, in that experience, they just deliver a $250 program and that's fine, but they don't really get any data because it's a different kind of a $200 buyer is a different than a $950 buyer. So is the sales process. So is the experience that it's like, it's fine. They did that, but there's no benefit to doing it. And, and I find going straight into the real program to be a much better experience for everybody involved. And so is there an ideal length of time for a real program? Is there, you know, is there an ideal amount of content or ideal versus here's my two hour course versus here's my 20 week course? I love this question because it is like, 
I have a colleague who has a three hour course that is amazing. Um, the first program, my, my last partner and I did was a year long and there's some, and so your program needs to be the length it needs to be to deliver the outcome of your promise. Um, kind of things to keep in mind are what is the urgency to get to the result for the clients, right? So I always use the example of a weight loss program. Like if, if somebody wants to lose 10 pounds, they want to do it quickly, like the quickest, healthiest way, right? So if I can lose healthily 10 pounds in one month, then it should be a one month program mm -hmm. versus, right? I don't want to hang out with you for six months, losing the same 10 pounds that I could have lost in one month. On the other side, there's a lot of programs and this, this is in a lot of like mindset and somatic and just wellness kind of stuff where we just need integration time where I'm sure you could deliver the information quickly, but for us to integrate it, to practice it, to embody it, to be able to do the thing may take longer. So even though the amount of content isn't more, maybe there's just more spaciousness of time in the program where people could take time to do the things, to practice the things, and then come back and ask questions or, or you know, have that time before the next step. So, so a lot of a lot of considerations on one, how much content, and two, how much time, and those right. two are slightly separate questions. Okay. Yeah. Three hours, and it rocks on his course. What's that? He said his course rocks at three hours. Oh yeah. It's three hour course. And it is amazing. And I think it was, I want to say it's $950. So I know, you know, people, people like love to calculate hourly stuff. Like, and I'm paying $315 and mm -hmm. 33 cents to the nth in order to get this course and versus I can spend, you know, $999 for this one that is whack-a-mole. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, what's the outcome you want? And I would rather, I'd rather spend three hours getting the same result as spending, you know, 20 hours getting the same result, right? Like I love my I time. Think, <laughs> I think I would actually be willing to pay more money to save time to get exactly. faster insight. There is like, it kills me. Like those online courses that try to, you know, they create a webinar for you to sell in the course and they ask you to come to the webinar and it's an hour or 90 minutes or two hours long. And they're going to teach you things. And obviously they want to teach you things that are enough without giving away their whole course. But I don't understand the need for that length of my time to get to the end of the cell where I'm hoping to get some little tiny nuggets along the way. And the whole time it's just regurgitation of the same thing over and over because then I think that their courses are going to be full of inflated air and that I'm going to be wasting my time and spinning here looking for the little nuggets. Mm, and they probably are. They probably are. Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, when I, when I came into the online space and I started watching webinars for the first time ever. And I remember watching one and it was like 15 minutes in, and I think he's still talking about himself. Yeah. And I remember chat, but typing in the comments, like, what is this? Are we ever going to get to the content? I'm here to learn the thing you told me you're going to teach me not to like, look at a picture of your dog on vacation in Italy. <laughs> I could possibly know who you're talking about on that because there's been many, many. <laughs> yes. The Italian vacation dog. <laughs> mm -hmm. Italian vacation. If that's you, if you're listening and that's you, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Do not. So, okay. We talked just now about, you know, monetization and the fact that, you know, I would be willing to pay more money for a shorter course versus looking for, you know, my hourly cost um, breakdown. 
how do you suggest people, you know, approach pricing? Because that's a whole strategy to itself that's quite complicated potentially. It is. And I actually have, um, I have an entire webinar that's up on YouTube as a, as a free training on specifically on the topic of, of pricing, because it is such a huge topic. Mm-hmm. The quick answer is it's a combination of two things. It's a combination of the value of the program elements. So that is what the outcome is, the efficiency of the outcome, all those things. On top of that is layered all the perception stuff, right? Because when we buy things, it's not like, oh, the value, like it, it, we're not really quite quantifying the value of something very directly. And then the other person will see the exact same way. We have our opinions. They'll have our, their opinions. Sure. And so the flavors of perception are um, the results of the program, the experience they have, right? I've, I've, I know I've been in, in the position where I've paid a lot of money for a program just to come into something that's like really discombobulated and hard to find anything. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I just paid way too much money for this to be the experience. So the experience has to matter the marketing and the positioning, right? If, mm-hmm. if the people don't know your course is amazing, they're not going to pay big money for it. Yeah. And finally, the confidence in being able to deliver the results. And so yeah. you see this a lot as people will create something that they're not totally sure about. And so they'll kind of like, it's a lot of like, well, this may help you. And I think this is good for you. And you'll mm-hmm. really just like, you'll, even if the words are fine, you'll, the energy will, will, will give it away. And so it's a combination of like the actual value combined with the perceived value. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not very specific, but we can, we can link to the, what, to the free training too. A hundred percent. And I think I'm going to make sure myself and my team watches that for our own online course, because the dollar and the pricing is always the question. And again, it comes down to your audience too, because if you have an audience that are students, your pricing is going to be very different than if your audience is professionals. And when I say students, I'm like in college or someone who's learning, you know, versus someone who's getting a feather in their cap and so much insight and knowledge that they're going to be able to take their business to the next level in a different way. So their investment in it is going to be a direct correlation to where their life stage is mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And, and all related to the value of the outcome and that is because the, the people in different life stages have different value expectations for the outcome, right? And so that is part of the reason too, is like, you know, even a college student, if you offer them a program that's going to be somehow really life-changing, they'll find the money, they can, yeah. you know, they can get a second job, they can ask somebody, they're, 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 they're usually more resourceful than the rest of us. And so, so I wouldn't necessarily do a low price just because it's an audience that doesn't inherently make a lot of money. Because mm-hmm. um, there's, there's, there are people who can, um, I, I'll use the example of teachers. A lot of times okay. people create programs for teachers and think they inherently have to be lower priced. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case because if you think of where money comes from, I mean, some of it is from the salary, but there, you know, people have money from, from, from different places. And so at least say that let's don't, don't just want That's one of the mistakes you'll see in the webinars. Don't try to look inside their wallet is don't try mm-hmm. to figure out how much money they have to figure out your price. How do people find you? So if you, how do, like, where do they go online or where do they dial in? If they're like, I have a course and I need some help figuring out this strategy plan. Yeah. So our website always has the latest training, the latest kind of opt-in ebook, whatever on the front page. And it's scaledgenius.com. And so check out what's going on in the top banner. There's always a button for something that, that we have going on. Check out the learning library in there. It's one of the tabs. It's all of our videos, our articles, things that we've been a guest on. 
this podcast will be on there when 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 it launches. And so it's a great place to just get all of our wisdom in one place. Um, and specifically for the link I'm leaving with you guys, it's our Hell Yes Offer Scorecard. And it is how to figure out if the idea you have for your online course or program is a good one. It'll take you through a scorecard. You'll get to score yourself and, and see what your next steps are. I don't know the link off the top of my head, but it'll be, it will. I'm sure it'll be somewhere, somewhere where you're listening or watching. It will 100% be in the show notes. So you will find it. Just go look in the show notes and you will be able to find the link and we'll make sure that it's included in some of the social media content that we are doing to promote as well. Perfect. Yes. Any last words, a parting advice to our listeners today who are either thinking about creating a course or trying to figure out how to get their course back on track? Yeah. Um, do it, do the thing. I see so many success stories after success stories of people, you know, we're as people whose work makes a difference. Like we're here, we're here to help people. That's our mission. And so if your business model right now is, is limiting you from being able to do that, then I just encourage you to, to, to do the thing. And I know we talk a lot about mistakes and things not to do. And like that can feel sometimes feel a little scary. It's like, Oh, I can't do this or do that do the thing. Doing the thing is better than not doing it. You'll figure it out. You'll get, you'll, you'll, you'll be successful, get help along the way if you choose to, but going in that direction is better than sitting, sitting and spinning in overwhelm and, and, and kind of grinding out client sessions until you die. And I will tell you from my own experience, when you actually have a course that's launched and it starts selling and you start like in your PayPal account or however you have it set up and you're like, where'd that money come from? wait, how did I get money there? And you're getting these updates and you're saying, so-and-so, you know, bought your course. You're getting thumbs up from people. You're like, wait, I can make money when I'm sleeping. I can Mm -hmm. actually do something that I have the power of creating. And it gives you so much true empowerment of being able to share your insights and knowledge and find ways that, you know, you're actually helping other people. And it's lovely. It really is nice besides the money. Mm, mm. So well said, so well said. And, and it does take off like a snowball. It's like a, it's, it's just this time of silence. And then it starts picking up, picking up. And then it, it kind of the lid is blown off because there's just traction in the way marketing works and the more testimonials you get coming in and your marketing intensifies. And yeah, it's, it, you get to a point where it does feel does feel really amazing and it doesn't have to look, take long to get there at all. That's awesome. Well, I, Jane, thank you so much for joining us today. Really enjoyed having you here. I am going to be diving in and taking your class and making sure our team takes it and scouring your website and chatting with you more as well, because you know everyone can always do improvements and having someone who's a consultant and who is a specialist in an area can allow you to fast track versus figuring out all the mistakes on your own. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it was my pleasure being on here. Thank you, Stacey. Of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I greatly appreciate your time. And know that if you would like to check out Hollywood Branded's own online classes, because, you know, why not plug this now here, right? Go to learn.hollywoodbranded.com and you can visit and see lots of courses galore that are set there for many stages of your career to help you figure out pop culture partnerships, product placements, celebrity endorsements, influencer marketing, social media, 
all those things that will help you get on your way to um, helping your brand become more established. So have a great day.